Hey everybody, I'm Alex and, and I'm coming at you straight from the perch and this is Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. Before we get started, I just want to thank everybody for um, listening to the last episode. If you haven't, you can go find it in the feed. But on that note, I want to um, jump right into what we're talking about today. And that is something that something that got me thinking because of my latest obsession, which as you probably know from the past three episodes is VR, and um, on the 27th of this month, actually, um, that month being January, the one of the most anticipated games for comes out for every VR platform out there, and that game is Zenith, The Last City, and if you haven't seen it, go look it up. It's very clearly sort of online-inspired, it's very clearly anime-inspired, all that good stuff, but I ended up what I ended up a because of um some people I actually met in VR, some like new VR friends I made, <laughs> and also just my own personal curiosity of the kind of like of the kinds of shows that of the kind of shows and properties that people are using as essentially bibles on how to do VR. Um, and I think, for, first off, I think they're all missing the most important one, although I'm sure it's been taken into account in some way, which is Log Horizon. Log Horizon is a great, like, Bible of, like, this is, this is, this is how VR could go. Like, if we all wanted to make a cool VR game, it would feel a lot more like Log Horizon, a lot less like Sword Art Online, but Sword Art Online also feels the way you expect a video game to feel on, uh, in in certain ways. And so I've been rewatching Sword Art Online and what has kind of stunned me is you get a you get a weird effect when you get out of the like shonen landscape of shows. And that is that like big shonen action shows take something like Fairy Tale or um One Piece of fabulous example dragon ball dragon ball as a property is a huge example of this and that is they're kind of insulated naruto also this is very true naruto and by extension boruto these shows are insulated from the effects of the industry a little bit because they are so big and so monolithic and so like lumbering so to speak that they don't they play by their own rule. They play by their own set of rules, and that's a very different thing. And I may talk about that at some point. But most shows that aren't like big shonen action shows, and even some that are, play by this like shifting in the sands of anime, of 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 the anime industry, and what your typical, you know, consumer of the anime, like you or me, or even your typical consumer of media, just like at a base level, expect out of a show. And watching... So I've been watching, like I said, I've been watching um, Sword Art Online, and what has really fascinated me is how SAO had it 
by the neck was like this like this is clearly what people want and then as time goes on it like starts to lose the grasp almost in a way that is pretty in a way that is pretty profound and it it loses a it loses a the grasp of like what people want out of this kind of show and b what people want out of Sword Art Online as a thing. So if you look at something like I also wa- I also rewatched and talked about um, Gun Gale Online, which you can go listen to in the feed right now. Um, but if you watch the um, if you watch Gun Gale Online. It functions much more like a typical anime, except for the fact that it feels like a trapped in a game anime, but it's, but no one's trapped, so the stakes are super low. And I I talk about the problems with that whole scenario in the Gun Gal Online episode. You should, if you're interested in that, go listen to that episode. But that feels much more like a modern. Um, anime about people who play video games than something like um, Sora Online ever has. So um, one of my favorite like weird little things around Sora in like the Sora Online universe is that like video games have become extremely advanced and like you have these little tiny essentially frisbees that you stick over your head <laughs> like those hollow frisbee discs that you stick over your head that bring your entire like consciousness into into a virtual world but they all use like samsung galaxy smartphones that kind of suck and like it's a i totally forgot about this it's a major plot point in store online that like kirito is a mechanical and software level genius and it's like developing a brain machine interface that can like bring AI into the real world so they can like live with their virtual daughter. It's it's insane. But even more than that kind of like misses the mark of futurism, so to speak, which to be clear, happens in so many any kind of even near future things like most projections of the future are just going to be wrong. <laughs> and it, and, to, and to see that, you see, you can look no further than Cowboy Bebop. But the way Cowboy Bebop did the future was, had so much more intelligence behind it because their idea was, okay, we all got to this point and we all thought it was going to be great and we all fucked it up and that's why it's not great and that's why everybody has like not flat screen tvs everywhere and part of the problem with um the cowboy bebop live action was they tried to retroactively change that and that missed the point so to speak but um the so there there's that element of like it's not the setting, that whole scenario makes the setting feel 
just off enough where it's where it's genuinely odd. That kind of like you get that kind of retro bad future feeling from like when Asana, who is probably the person who uses her cell phone the most in that show, uses her cell phone in reality. It's like I I feel like I feel like this this feels wrong. <laughs> but and so that part of it is that like the outside it never really with the exception of something like ordinal once you get to ordinal scale, that changes a little bit. But the outside until ordinal scale doesn't really perfectly jam with the kind of technology that they're proposing for, like, the full-dive tech, so to speak. And the other thing that really happens is the, like, the plot structure of Sword Art Online, really at the point of the end of Sword Art Online 2, very clearly needed some, like, restructuring and some rethinking and... And the author, I I mentioned this actually to my new to one of my new friends on um, VR chat, is like the author had sat down and he by the time he wrote um, the first part of uh, which I haven't which I've watched the first part of but I haven't watched all of because it was so like covered by the universe. I was like I don't feel like I need to watch this. Um, the first part of season three of Short Online, um, Alicization, he had kind of like come to the conclusion, rightfully so, that he had gotten really skeevy and um, inappropriate with the like way he uses sexual abuse as a plot point and the way he treats his female characters. And you could already tell that he was pretty uncomfortable with that whole with the kind of whole scenario in his like leaning on Asuna as a character in the like last part of Sora Online and he was trying to shift the focus away from the like male power fantasy of this show which is what made that show which is kind of what spelled like fans unhappiness with Alicization because the thing that made that show was a bunch of, you know, 14-year-old boys, like, yeah, I can be like Kirito. Kirito is like a nerdy wimp weirdo. I That's totally a viable thing for me. But the other thing that he was doing for that entire time was he had built up a character pretty strong because uh, this show is also a harem show. Um, it female characters but all who were pretty strong until you get to we need main character Kuhn's help and if you look around not just anime but around media it that like this like broadening of the of the um view was happening constantly and like we're getting really obscure Marvel movies. We're getting really obscure Marvel superheroes who get big blockbuster movies like Ant-Man. Like, you know, the, 
the the focus was necessarily because they're running out of like stories to tell necessarily kind of was necessarily less on just main characters and there were great side characters if you look around if you look around the same time that like Sora Online was coming out and all that stuff you could actually like see things like the Netflix um, Marvel Defenders like universe of shows which all got chopped off of the knees which sucks and I mean they all they weren't all massive hits but they were all pretty well received with the exception maybe of Iron Fist um but the kind of long and short of it was is that lots of the standout characters of those shows were the villains or, or side characters I mean Foggy Nelson in um in the Netflix Daredevil is fabulous. Um, everybody in the Netflix Daredevil is fabulous, but Foggy Nelson and the uh, um, portrayal of um, Kingpin, um, Wilson Fisk, are both like knock it out of the goddamn park. <laughs> and SAO kind of got caught in this. Um, by defining its own, by defining its own generation of shows, and then outliving, outliving its, outliving its hero dumb to become the villain kind of thing, and watching. I mean, I watch, I watch at very least a couple of shows a season. Lots of times, I'll watch all the like first episode to decide what I want to watch. I don't, I don't necessarily talk about it because I don't want to do that kind of content constantly. But what um, ends up happening is like you, you see what people are interested in and what like the, the industry has taken like as, oh, the fandom would be interested in this. Like, I'm watching, I just started watching Dress Up Darling, which is kind of a great mix of stuff for the kind of, like, end of winter scenario of, like, you want to be warm and cozy and laugh at some stuff. And it's a lot of fun. And I think that... But I'm also watching, um, the, what's it called, the, like, super, like... Tsubaki Bisco or the, the the mushroom anime, <laughs> the, the the one with the war hippos. Um, and between that and something like Dress Up Darling, I think this is gonna be we're gonna like make another kind of turn into another, and actually be, between um Orient, which is also something kind of in the vein, although certainly not as good or interesting as Bisco, of the, like, post-apocalyptic nightmare thing. And, like, the way I would describe both of those is if... Uh, and, and, like, the key thing to think here is Dress Up Darling is pure, like, escapist, very clearly romance 
with like an arts and crafts and fashion design angle and it's and a cosplay angle and it's great. But um but it's very it's a very escapist romance show, which I personally love. But the if Gundam Double O was the first Gundam that was clearly like, oh, the post nine eleven Gundam show. <laughs> it's like a Gundam show that's like, hey, we we found the politics again. We went digging in the drawer and we're like, oh, what's this politics? Um, Bisco Bisco is very much a show about like. A show about what a post-pandemic world could look like. So is Orient is about like the world repressing humanity. <laughs> it's very clear that like the people making this stuff have been sitting in the same world as all of us. And I, the thing I noticed about um, Alicization, the parts of Alicization I have seen. And even the parts of Alicization that I haven't seen is something like, say, Sora Online, or, or, and this is true of so many shows, even action shows, they still have to sit in the, like, they still have to sit in the reality that we are in alongside us. And unless you decide, hey, that's not what this show is about. This show is about, like, a small romance between two high schoolers, two extremely fucking nerdy high schoolers. <laughs> it's so good. And, like, all the awkwardness and, like, f fun that can come from that. Um, it, you have to, you have to, like, you have to play the game a little bit. And shows, I think shows like, and certainly... This is true of a lot of isekai shows, of which Solar Online is one. Um, the bottom line is a lot of those aren't doing that anymore. If I had a hope as to like shows like Bisco coming out, even shows like Dress Up Darling coming out. Is that we get more shows like that and less shows like, like something like Sora Online? Essentially, the like, the, we suffer from a little less isakitis every season, to borrow a term from um, Jeff Sue from Mother's Basement, because part of the reason why I never, why I generally don't talk about those shows is they don't. They all kind of deal with the same thing. Even even the ones that are in some way better in terms of craft or storytelling or any of that. Take, take something like Shield Hero. Shield Hero, like, it is about the same thing all the isekai are about. Even something like um, Mushoko Tense, like, like Jabba 3 Incarnation is about, like, a guy who kind of sucks in the real world, being transported to a world where he doesn't suck, but still being essentially the same person. And it's this, it's this power fantasy that 
doesn't add anything, but also doesn't have the, like, monolithic cultural touchstone of something like uh, Dragon Ball Z or a, um, a One Piece or a Naruto or a show that's returning now. A show that, like, it's like, hey, what if we, what if we just doubt this shonen property and, gra- and like, fantastic gr- graphic design um, in that show with Bleach? And the, I don't think that, I, I think that, I think that anime fans are essentially, like, media heads, but no one, no one will pop up and say, like, I, I watch anime the way people watch, like, CSI. But it's, but that's true. And they expect that they have the same they have a version of the same kind of expectations of the stuff they're watching. They like want to see, they want to see reality reflected in the art in some way, whether that's through escapism or it's through like a meditation on like what a post what an extreme like end of the world sci-fi pandemic could look like in something like um, Bisco. But I just I, I think that this winter season we're shifting into that away from what we've been doing for a while now and I think it's really interesting especially that like sort of online alicization like I think it's like 2018 it was still airing I think it's I think it aired in 2019. Like, parts of it aired in 2019. And it... It had an uphill fucking climb. And, like, they... they, That property was trying to correct... Was trying to correct and maybe overcorrecting for the fact that it had, like, broken its main character and, like, by... By breaking its main character, kind of by the the second season, the world was kind of breaking down and breaking along, like, the edges of that character in a way that was not, as someone who literally just watched it, it was, like, not, it was almost just barely entertaining. <laughs> Even from a power fantasy perspective, it was just, like... It was not what even I would think at the time you would want out of that show. And there's this, like... There's this, quite frankly, screwed up treatment of the female cast of that show because they can be insanely strong, insanely powerful female characters who immediately default to, like... Oh, Kirito-sama, please, please bless me with your head pats. Kind of absolute nonsense. And there's, there's all, and the only character they really do the work with there is the character of Asuna because she is, because they had spent so much time on that romance angle in like the very first in in the first season of that show 
but the the it all that show also struggled with like the shift to like the core style of storytelling, and it's it's just it's all very. It's all, it's all really interesting to me. So I just thought I'd make a show about it. And on that note, if you like this show, um, new episodes of the podcast come out every Thursday and Sunday. Thursday is about a specific anime property. The last um, show, the last Thursday show was about Bell, which if you have the chance to see it, it's actually a pretty wide release. You should definitely go see it. You can also go listen to my podcast about it. Um, that's the new Momoro Hosna movie. If you don't know who he is, he's the guy who made Summer Wars and most recently, aside from Bell Mirai, which was actually nominated for an Academy Award. Um, and the Sunday show is more like this. It's more metatextual. It's more about fandom. It's more about the industry. It's more about the medium. That kind of stuff. And on that note, I've been at, I've been Alex coming at you from the perch. This has been Lunchbox Radio Sunday edition. I will talk to you on Thursday. <laughs>